Welcome to the Prometheus Strength Podcast. This is your host, Zach Powell. This is the podcast for thinking weightlifters. In today's episode, my topic is going to be training environments. Um, I've discussed uh, many of the topics that we'll go over today in my previous episode of uh, like training sessions, but I want to take a different light. The hat I really want to wear in this podcast is the one of me being an athlete, not so much me being a coach or giving that perspective. So everything I say in here is going to be <clears throat> from the perspective of being an athlete and talking to maybe somebody who's trying to develop their own training environment, other athletes trying to choose, you know, where they feel comfortable going and, you know, what to look for in your athletes or as an athlete in a coach or training environment. So some places, uh, they have multiple coaches on staff and a lot of times this can be very confusing for the athlete if they get direction, different directions from different coaches. So, uh, when you have somebody coming into a gym and you want them to make a correction, so somebody is jumping forward on a, a lift and that seems to be the biggest thing that they that that is hindering their progress in the lift the athlete well if you have one coach that is really trying to hone in on that and then you have another coach that's saying you know uh, pull more with the arms or quit throwing your head back that may be good advice but if the athlete's trying to work on one thing and they've been expressed to do that one thing this can be very confusing so how do we correct that well, you need to start, or I believe that people should start empowering their athletes and communicating with them more. I really believe it's the sign of an insecure coach to not give your athletes the tools to correct themselves. Um, like withholding information from people around you is just a sign of fear that you're going, like you're afraid that people will walk away from you. Um, now, like with that being said, when you empower your athlete to understand what they're trying to work on, they have a better understanding of what's trying to be done. So coach one wants, coach one is the, the main coach, the head coach for that athlete. If they express to the athlete, hey, right now we're trying to work on you not jumping forward. When coach two comes over and, you know, trying to correct something, that if they're in a good situation, they can say to coach two, that's awesome, but Coach One wants me to work on not jumping forward right now, so that's what we're focusing on. So developing a great conversation around what's trying to happen is the first step. Second, Coach One should be talking to Coach Two about, you know, what corrections are we trying to make? Now, now in big gyms, that may be difficult. So finding systems of, like, having those conversations, empowering your athlete to talk to the coach, to express, you know, what's going on to other coaches that, that's a big one. Um, so that way, the athletes don't feel like they're trying to fix everything all at once. Because if you're in a training environment that you feel like you need to be perfect all the time, you're just going to lose motivation. Um, I'm not trying to plant any seeds, but this is not a sport of perfection. It's a sport of progress. And if you constantly feel like you have six different people telling you six different things, it can get very confusing and honestly disheartening. But if you can constantly just a accomplish one thing at a time, you know, that's going to be a much better and healthy situation to be in. So 
communication with other coaches and then athletes with other coaches is, is probably really, really healthy and quite honestly, normal. Second, I believe that other athletes should be empowered to help athletes as well. And, and this goes to the communication piece. Me being an athlete, I go to my training partner and I say, hey, coach wants me to make sure I'm not jumping forward. Can you watch this lift? Like that should be encouraged, but it's not always because the coach feels like they should have control. They should be micromanaging everything. And if somebody else makes a, a correction, then that that looks poorly on them. But the problem with that is the coach can't watch everybody's lifts all the time. And you're making weaker lifters, not physically, but mentally. You actually improve by helping others get better. So if, like I, and this me being coached to say, sometimes I will literally have my, like one of my athletes look at another athlete while they're lifting and say, hey, watch how they don't do this. And I want you to correct them on it. Explain to them what they should be doing. And most of the time, it's the thing that, athlete one is also having trouble with so that they can see it they can visualize okay see what I see so that they can bring it to their own lifting and this is empowering athletes to help themselves to have more autonomy in their training in my experience the the more autonomous a person feels with their training the more that they're going to buy into it they're going to feel like they're taking you know a, a step forward with their own training not withholding things from them or withholding things from other athletes. Hey, I want you to help your fellow athletes. Like we are a team. We want to make sure that other people get validation and corrections, not just from the coach, but from the other athletes. And when you start having this environment where there's only one person in charge and they can't, and only they should be giving corrections, it breeds this dynamic that the coach always needs to be watching. And that's just not possible. And honestly, it, it hinders a lot of progress. When in reality, if we can set up structures where, you know, more advanced athletes can help, you know, the, the newer lifters and then teaching them how to correct and how to spot other lifters, you're going to breed mentally tougher athletes and people who have an eye for technique, they can see and recognize in others and then correct it in themselves. So once again, this goes back to my original point, communication as a team is huge. Like maybe I'm not, I'm not all for like, oh, like every athlete needs to know everything, but making sure that we're direct on our expectations and then that athlete can express to other athletes, other coaches, what those expectations are throughout the entire process. Now, um, with that being said, you're going to have to cultivate good relationships between athletes too. So with expectations, you need to make sure that there's a good, like a good feel in the gym. Now, that doesn't mean like everybody needs to be happy all the time holding hands. But I know at Cal Strength, I brought them up before, they do tryouts to make sure that people on the team get along, they, they fit well, and they work hard. And I think that's an amazing, amazing thing. Now, they are in a unique situation. People want to go there. They, they, they have a great program. But what you... When you're beginning, it, it can be a trap to say like, like, well, I need to let anyone in because I need the money, and that and that's fine. Like, you, you have to do that. 
but creating boundaries about who you want in and if they're toxic or not to the program, like, is it worth the hundred, $150 you're charging for them to chase other people away or to not have like this, this very welcoming environment or supportive environment. It doesn't always have to be welcoming, but supportive environment if they're chasing other people away. And it feels like you can't make those decisions until you're quote unquote making it. But it's a catch 22 because if you're letting people in who aren't very supportive or they don't make a good environment, you may be chasing other people away. So not only do you have to empower your athletes, but you also have to make sure that you're teaching good behaviors. Um, and, and I believe this comes from the top too. So as the leader of the gym or the coach or whatever, making sure that you're welcoming, you're, you're inviting people that you want in the gym, um, having an environment that people feel like they can succeed or at least be autonomous in their own training, um, making sure that other people are also cultivating those same values that you have. And that's what it just comes down to. When you first create this environment, you have to choose the values that are most important to you. And not everyone's going to like vibe well with that. So for me, like my biggest example is education. And like when I'm coaching athletes, I want them to understand what they're doing. And if there's people who are out there who are like, just tell me what to do. I don't care. I'll do whatever it is. And I try to start explaining to them, like, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to feel. Like, I have told people, maybe I'm not the right person for you. And that's okay. Like, like I don't mind saying that there's a better coach out there. And I don't like the idea of like, well, then you should push yourself. It's not that I'm like turning them away because they're being difficult. That's not it at all. I want to help people become more educated in the sport, more like self-sufficient. And if they're, they have a different attitude about it, like then this may not be the relationship for them. There literally is a coach out there that's better for them than me. And that's okay. Like I want people to, to want to improve themselves, not just physically, but mentally and, and to appreciate all aspects of the process, not just improving themselves. Like if I had somebody that was freaking out every time they didn't hit a PR, that might not be somebody that I could, you know, work well with. And, and I, I don't think that that's a healthy environment to, for others to see as well. Um, you can't protect your athletes from everything, but like, you know, if you're, if you're getting upset and, and you know, putting other people at harm because you are throwing weights or something like that, we, we may have to have a different discussion of what's appropriate around the gym. And, and so I really do believe like what you don't teach or what you allow is very important to, to the training environment too. You want everybody to be in a place that they can, they can succeed. And that doesn't mean having it be quote unquote a safe space or, or having it soft it's this idea that people can express their ideas in a way that, you know, they're not attacked or they can ask you questions. Um, because I want my athletes to ask me, why is this in a program? Why am I doing this? Like, I fucking love that. I think that's a great thing to ask because if I, if I say, I don't know, I'm just trying it. That's still an answer. I'm just trying it. But for me to like lie about it or an athlete to like, no, leave the programming to me. Like that's author, author, it's 
authoritarian to a level that I don't want to be. Like, I want to have a an athlete that is curious. Well, why am I doing this? Why is this in my program? Great question. If it is, we're experimenting, I want to see how this applies. That's an acceptable answer for me, at least. Um, and second, like, if, like, if I, I typically do have a reason, so great, you're jumping forward, we're going to put no feet snatches in so you can't move your feet. I want you to feel what it's like to go straight down. Like, that's that's what we're doing. It, And I also didn't, I didn't like that when I was on a program and I couldn't ask those questions. I want to know because I also want to learn how to pass that information on to others. So I guess I am biased in that sense of like passing along knowledge. But, you know, some people don't want that and that's okay. But you know, that's the environment that I want to be in where people are asking questions. They feel comfortable to test ideas, to like be uncomfortable with ideas. Like, listen, I know you don't like front squats. They feel uncomfortable for you, but guess what? We got to do it. Like you got to suck it up and we got to do it. And, you know, people testing that, but still doing it is a good thing. Um, another thing that I think is important is when people go off program, um, asking them why I, I used to do this a lot too. When I was, when I was uh, first beginning, I would go off program and it honestly felt like I just wasn't doing enough in my program. So that's why I would go off of it. And, um, you know, having conversations, making sure that you're holding your athlete accountable to what it is that they're looking for. If they feel like they're not doing enough, you know, sometimes we have to give people more. So, loading them up on maybe squats or deadlifts, something that does cause enough fatigue, but won't destroy them too much later on, depending on the athlete, or it's more accessory work that doesn't hinder, you know, their progress in the gym. Um, or maybe it's more technique work, more warm ups, making them feel like they have a say in their training, so that you're agreeing on what an ideal program is for them. Um, if they're maxing out all the time, you know, I, I would say like, all right, we're going to work up to heavy top sets on, a, I've used this word before, on governing, governor exercises. So, like, I love the clean push, plus push, press, plus jerk. All right, we're going to work up to a top set. You can max that out. It's not going to cause too much fatigue later on in the week, and then we do drop sets from there so that we can have this compromise. Um, it doesn't, and once again, as a coach, you are the, you are, I know I said authoritarian earlier, but you are the authority in the room. You, you do get the final say in those things, but it doesn't have to start there. The conversation can begin, and then we agree on what it is that we need to do um, in, in the future. If people start talking back or being disrespectful, that's a whole different conversation. That athlete's not for you. It's perfectly okay and probably advised to let that athlete go, um, but you know, that athlete, it's their training, you're the facilitator of their training. And so giving them a little more power is ultimately the, the goal, right? Like we want them to feel like they are, are in control of their training. And you are the one who's just getting them where they want to go. Um, so that, that's how I feel like the attitude should go. Obviously, there's limitations, I was staying like very big picture on that, because you know, sometimes you're going to have to yell and you're going to have to make sure that people are safe and that there, if there's a fight in the, the training room, like serious consequences need to come from that. But 
for the most part, I do believe that making your athlete stronger comes from having conversations that make you uncomfortable and the athlete uncomfortable, but in a way that is directed towards their training. Equipment. Um, this is a big thing. So, you know, I've been in many different training halls. I've worked at, or I've been in different gyms. Right now I work in a, a big box gym that we have great equipment. And I think that I, I view equipment as like a barrier to entry or like you have to meet a threshold. So your bars have to spin and the plates have to be bumper plates. And, you know, it, it gets into that gray area, whether you have pound plates or kilogram plates, you know, I would say that airing on the kilogram plate side is important. Um, but that's not going to attract most lifters that you want. Now, if you want lifters who appreciate flashy things, then buy flashy things. But if you want athletes who are going to work hard, be resilient through, through, um, all experiences, environment will reflect that. Like this is a product of that. And all of the stuff that I said before me as an athlete, I'm biased towards those things over equipment. Um, of course, I love nice equipment. I want to buy nice equipment. I want to have nice equipment. But that all comes secondary to other things in training. So like I said, it, you have to meet a threshold. The bars have to spin well. They can't be bent. Um, you know, you have to have something to squat off of. But for the most part, environment comes before equipment. And like in my experience, people enjoy equipment, but that's not why they stay around in gyms. So... Uh, don't get me wrong, get nice equipment if you can afford it, but don't feel like you can't start until you have the nicest equipment. People will come if you just begin training people like or, and, and cultivate good environments and make athletes better. The equipment is secondary to all of that. And, you know, it, it's so huge to say like, equipment really isn't that important. Like, like I said, it has to meet a threshold, but the athletes that that I would want that or I don't want to be around people who yes like they find it important but they're not going to cry because they didn't get their favorite bar like that's what you're going to attract if you just make it secondary people who can be resilient when their favorite bar is taken so they need to take a bar that they don't typically use um uh, and side side note for the people who live with me the only caveat I have and I've been resilient around it but I'm allergic to um, the nickel plating on most bars like the or the chrome plating on most bars uh, I get a rash on my on my neck so I really do prefer using um, Cerakote bars I won't use any names but well, Rogue Rogue's my favorite uh, the Cerakote bar just because it doesn't ma like make me break out and it's a super high quality bar so I have in the past uh, admittedly had preferences but that's just so I don't break out that much um but, but yeah, like, other than that, I do think that, you know, I trained on a Chrome bar for a long time, and I've been okay with it, and I, I'm back to training on a Chrome bar again, and that's just the nature of it, and that's okay, and it's great. Um, and so, yeah, that's all I have on equipment. Um, and then, like, climate-controlled versus being in a garage. So, I've done both, and I think both are great. Um I will say I'm super appreciative that I've lifted in both because it gave me gave me a different perspective. So the first gym I ever started weightlifting in was um, I was at Purdue. So obviously that was climate controlled. You know, there's platforms there. So 
Then I went to Bloomington Normal Barbell, climate controlled again, and then I was at Spoon, so that was hardly climate controlled. Like we just kept the door down and put the heat on in the winter and then fans on in the summer. And if you've ever been to the Dallas area, you know that it um, it can get really hot in the summer. You know, 110 degrees when you're trying to do tens on the squat ain't isn't always fun. But I really do think that the the garage setting has made me quote unquote tougher. Um, like more resilient to different like changes um, because when when you just say all conditions are ideal then all conditions just become ideal um, if it's a little chilly in the warm-up room you know you've been there before you, you put a hoodie on like you, you figure it out you're not complaining like oh this is this is rough like uh, you're you just you just adapt you know the the spoon barbell like there's some divots in some of the places on the, the garage floor. So an uneven platform you've been training on this whole time. And I don't want to say go out of your way to make unideal situ or, uh, environments. Do what you can to make a training environment, like the climate environment, the best you can. But just understand that like you can't always have perfect conditions. I remember the first time I lifted... Um, I forget the name of the meet, but it was, it was you know, near Chicago, um, Mid-Americans. I, I forget the name of it, but they had, uh, their platform was two by fours and there were, you could feel the divots between each two by four. And this was before I had trained in a garage. And I remember the experience of like, oh, I can't find the right groove. Like, and then I'm on a clock and I'm getting all messed up and and I felt mentally weak on my first snatch attempt because it threw me off. And I recognized it at the time. No one else's fault but mine because I felt thrown off guard. But if you accept that there are imperfections in every training environment, in every competition environment, you will do better by meeting those, those conditions. So um, I think the garage really put that in perspective. But I don't think you need a garage to do that. Right now I'm back to lifting at work where I'm in a big box gym. And this is another piece, people walking in front of you. Like it's great when you're in a weightlifting gym to respect others. I think that's so, so, so important. But right now I can't, I can't block off a, a section in front of, uh, in front of me so that people don't walk through it. The other day I was attempting 102, heaviest I've gone since the quarantine and someone else's client literally walked in front of me to stand in front of my camera as I was trying to film myself. And I, it, I, I wasn't expecting it. So it obviously shocked me and I missed the lift, which is, you know, whatever. But once again, it's an imperfect situation. And, you know, when you're in a weightlifting gym, you can express to others, hey, please don't walk in front of me. But I mean, I know a lot of people get upset that this happens. But what am I going to do? Am I going to go and yell at this guy? Like, you should know. Like, he, he has no idea about the, like, the the norms of Olympic weightlifting. Like, did it bother me? Of course. But I got over it, and I made the next attempt. Like, that's okay. Like, you just, you just de you deal with what is given to you, and, and you work around it. Um, and not getting upset if they don't know. Now, if somebody does know and they're messing around or trying to distract you during the lift, like then you have a different conversation. But I do believe just understanding 
and building resilience through imperfect environments is, is going to help you in the long run. Um, so like, I, I think that just whether it's, whether it's, you know, the coach athlete relationship or, or the, the actual training environment or wherever the training is empowering the athlete, giving them more autonomy in their training and making sure that they can overcome obstacles and that the athletes want that is really the biggest thing to, to cultivate this idea that no matter the situation, you can question it, you can, you can, you know, ask why you can say you don't like it, but to always know that it's going to improve you is really the point of this podcast. Like this episode, I want to express that, like everything you do, you have the choice to make that, that situation improve you. So if the coach is like holding something back and you, you feel like they're never giving you enough information, like, and you don't feel comfortable asking those questions, then that's probably not the environment for you. And if you're the coaching, cultivating that, remember your athletes are going to want to know why. Second, like training environment, you can't make a perfect training environment. There's, you know, you can do everything you can to make it nice, but helping your athletes get better when the conditions aren't ideal is going to make them better, empower them to overcome those things and become stronger mentally, understand the sport better, to improve them as they go along in this journey. That's the biggest thing. That's what training environment is about, to cultivate people who win every situation. We can't always have amazing, amazing athletes walk through our door, but we can make those athletes amazing at overcoming the situations that are right in front of us. And, you know, treating people with respect, treating them like human beings and satisfying their curiosity because that's why they're here. You know, Olympic weightlifting really does attract intellectuals, like people that enjoy the finer points of technique and power development and strength. And so, you know, these are the people that are going to ask questions and we need to cultivate that as, as a a coach, as an athlete, just as a community in general. So, um, yeah, so training environments are important and just know that you, you're the one that gets to control what you're, what you're cultivating in your gym. All right, guys, I will see you next week. Once again, you can find me on Instagram at Zach Powell. You can leave me a rating and review on all podcast platforms and please feedback is a gift. So if you guys have anything that you want to hear, send it my way and then We'll talk about it next week.